0: church how are you guys doing good we're awake kind of well if i haven't had a chance to meet you yet my name is tiffany i'm not usually the one that's up here doing this job specifically Um, i'm actually the worship director here at our belton location but occasionally pastor keegan trusts me enough to come up here and also share the word with you guys my team i could not do it without the incredible wasn't worship great this morning they're so great. I have to do just a shameless plug. If you sing or play an instrument, we're always looking for people to be on our team. Every single person that you see up here every week, they're all volunteers. And that's just such a powerful thing, um, just getting a different way to get connected, but also just have ownership within spiritual family and getting to use your gifts. So if that is you, come find me, please, after the service, and I would love to connect with you. If it's also your first time with us, I know Tommy said just a minute ago that we really are, so excited that you are here Um, it's always great to connect with new families new people that come in Um, so just after the service again make sure myself other staff members will be there and other team members to get to know you and connect with you there well if you have been gone maybe a couple weeks or if it is your first time we have spent the last six weeks in our message called unbreakable where we have been able to learn and looking at the life of joseph and what we can learn from his life and his faithfulness to God. And so I'm, I'm going to be able to wrap that all up for us today and bring it full circle to see what God's design was, not just for Joseph's family, but starting all the way with Abraham, Isaac, his father, Jacob, and now as we're going to look at Joseph in the end of his life. Let me give you a little recap, though, just to kind of catch you up in the story so that you're not completely lost whenever we pick up the story towards the middle and end of Joseph's life here in a minute. So when we first, first week that we started learning about Joseph, we saw Joseph when he was 17 years old and God had blessed him with the, with the gift of prophetic dreams, which I don't know about you. If I, when I was 17 and I started, if I started having dreams that were telling me hey, guess what? Your brothers, your family, all the nations are gonna bow down to you. The first thing that would do is go straight to my head and I'd be like, yes, that's right. Everyone will bow down to me. And in a way, Joseph kind of did that a little bit. At least that's what his brothers thought. And so his brothers, Joseph was the favorite, was his dad, Jacob. It was, he was the favorite, the most loved. He was given the long, beautiful, colorful coat that showed even more so that that Jacob favored him over all the rest of the brothers. And so his brothers, because they had so much resentment towards him, they conspired to kill him. But instead, they shown they showed him a little bit of grace, I guess, because they didn't want to have that blood on, his, on their hands. So instead, they're like, we'll just throw you in a pit and we'll save, uh, sell you off to slavery um, to some of the slave traders that were coming down the road. I don't know what I would prefer, honestly, in that moment. Um, but that's where we see then jo- Joseph is taken into slavery in Egypt. And we find him in Potiphar's house. And we see that God is gonna continue to bless him even when he's facing adversity and facing slavery. And he's put in this very powerful man's house. But even in that, he finds favor with Potiphar and is held at a high standard even in Potiphar's house. But... Potiphar's wife makes some advances to him. But Joseph, he was a godly man. He ran the other direction. But even though he did that, he was still wrongfully accused of, uh, of taking advantage of his, Potiphar's wife's advances. And he was thrown into the darkest prison that you could be. And you'd think at that point, surely... God, where are you, right? Where's your faithfulness? Why'd you even give me these gifts that I have? Well, we see that when he is even in prison, he finds favor with the prison warden and he's able to interpret some dreams. And he thinks at that point, this is my ticket out of here. God, you're gonna use me to interpret these dreams. And then I'm gonna get out of this prison that I don't even deserve to be in. But he was wrong and he stays there. And then we see the next week when we're learning that the whole story flips upside down. And he has the opportunity to go before Pharaoh himself, interpret dreams, two different dreams for Pharaoh. And in those dreams, he's able to give warning to Pharaoh that this famine is coming and Pharaoh listens. And he, he relies on Joseph's discernment and his wisdom in the plan of action that he wants for all of the nation of Egypt to follow. And so here he is, he puts Joseph second in command So he goes from just being this little 17-year-old boy getting prophetic dreams from the Lord into slavery, then he's a prisoner, and now all of a sudden he's second in command of the most powerful economy at the time, and he is setting up Egypt for success to be able to face this famine that is coming. And so last week, Pastor Keegan talked to us about now that Joseph is in command, his brothers come, come kind of back around. They don't know that Joseph is there. They don't even know that Joseph is alive, much less that he's in command. But his brothers come back around to buy, because um, everybody's coming to Egypt at that time, because everyone's starting to feel the effects of the famine that's coming. And, and so they come to buy what they need, the resources they need, from Egypt and Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and we see the reconciliation that happens. Last week we saw that between Joseph and his brothers. And that brings us to this week where we're closing it out all together and again we're finally going to see the end of this promise that God had given Abraham, Isaac, Joseph's father Jacob and now to Joseph and we're going to see what that looks like. We're going to read and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 45. We've got a lot of scripture to get through today, but just, but lean into it and really listen. It is the most beautiful story of God's promises and his covenant to us. We're going to start Genesis 45, um, chapter 45, verse 16 through 28. So if you have your Bibles, you want to get your Bibles out, we'll be in Genesis pretty much the whole time. If you have your Bible app or even in our Vintage app, you can follow along there. We're going to be Genesis 45 starting at verse 16. It says, "When the news reached Pharaoh's palace, Joseph's brothers have come, Pharaoh and his servants were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, 'Tell your brothers, do this: load your animals and go back to the land of Canaan. Get your father and your families and come back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. You can eat from the richness of the land.' You are also commanded to tell them Do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your dependents and your wives and bring your father here. Do not be concerned about your belongings for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. The sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them wagons as Pharaoh had commanded and he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave each of the brothers changes of clothes, but he gave Benjamin 300 pieces of silver and five changes of clothes. He sent his father the following, 10 donkeys carrying the best products of Egypt, 10 female donkeys carrying grain, food, and provisions for his father on the journey. So Joseph sent his brothers on their way. And as they were leaving, he said to them, do not argue on the way. So they went up from Egypt and they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They said, Joseph is still alive and he's the ruler over all the land of Egypt. Can you imagine what Jacob was probably feeling in that moment? He was stunned, and he didn't believe him at first. But when they told Jacob about all that Joseph had said to them, and then when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to transport him, the spirit of their father Jacob was revived. Then Israel said, enough, my son Joseph is still alive. I will go see him before I die. How incredible is that? We're going to look into that even more about what that reunion looks like here in just a moment. So we see that in our story, Joseph now has invited his entire family to come and to live in Egypt as they prepare for this famine, to protect his family and to be able to grow and be fruitful and that his family will be protected for generations and generations because of Joseph. And it's not just like he said, come live in Egypt. He said, come live in Egypt and I'm going to give you the best of the best, the best land that you can have, the best products that you can have, the best clothing everything. And so that is where we see, we're going to see a couple, well, several, seven different moments in this next story that are very important to remember as we close out this story. The first one is Jacob's prophecy about Egypt. And just a little bit, we read earlier in the scripture we just got finished reading, it talks about Israel and Israel's son, just so that you aren't confused, because you will see Jacob and Israel used interchangeably throughout scripture. And Israel is the God-given name to Joseph, as Joseph is walking in faithfulness and fulfillment with, Jesus, with God during those times. So, Genesis 46, 1 through 7, it says, Israel, also Jacob, set out with all that he had, with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba and he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. That night God spoke to Israel in a vision. Jacob, Jacob, he said, and Jacob replied, Here I am. God said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. This is important, this next one. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will bring you back. That is so key in this prophecy that Jacob hears. Joseph will close your eyes when you die. So Jacob left Beersheba, and the sons of Israel took their father Jacob in the wagons that Pharaoh had provided And he had sent to carry him along with their dependents and their wives they also took their cattle and possessions that they had acquired in the land of canaan then jacob and all of his offspring with him came to egypt his sons his grandsons his daughters his granddaughters indeed all his offspring he brought them brought with him to egypt So we see in this prophecy that Jacob receives a word from the Lord. And it wasn't just the word that he was going to reunite with his son, but also he gets to look into the distant future. And that part in the verse where it says, go into Egypt. I will go with you, but I will also bring you out. And that's prophecy of what is to come. That eventually they will go to Egypt. And we'll look at that in a little bit that God is promising to bring them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And Jacob has a vision to see that, and what does it do? It gives him hope. Of course it gives him hope. If God himself says, "I'm going to be with you every step of the way." And so that is what we see during this time. And then we get to look at Joseph and how he's reunited with his father. Listen to this. It is the most beautiful. I can just picture it. In Genesis 46:28 through 30. It says, now Jacob had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to prepare for his arrival in Goshen. When they came to the land of Goshen, Joseph hitched the horses to to his chariot and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. Joseph presented himself to him. He threw his arms around him and he wept for a long time. Then Israel said to Joseph, I'm ready to die now because I have seen your face. And you are still alive this for me it hits it hits even more close to home i feel like my husband he's active duty army right now and um, of course we go through all the times with him being away he was just gone for six weeks um, and has been back now for about a week and even whether it's six weeks he's gone a week sometimes nine months 12 months that moment when he comes home and of course it always means so much to me but to see our three kids and the way, ugh, sorry, the way they light up when they see their daddy in person. That is what I can just imagine. And same with those homecoming videos. If you guys want some tear jerkers, go on YouTube and YouTube army or military, whatever homecoming videos. I tell you what, I am a sucker and I will cry every single time. When those dads come home or moms and they surprise their kid at school or they're in the mascot costume and all of a sudden they pop out at a pep rally. I don't know, they get so creative. I've not experienced any of those moments myself yet. My husband hasn't got that creative quite yet, but he's working on it. He's got 10 more years to have opportunities for that. Um, But it just is such an emotional feeling and that's what I can just imagine that Joseph and Jacob are feeling in this moment. It was 27 years that they were separated. 27 years, and if it wasn't for Jacob's prophecy and the vision that he saw that God revealed to him, little, all he knew is that, I think his brothers told him that he was eaten up by wild animals. So he's gone 27 years thinking that his son wasn't even alive and now he gets to hug his neck in person. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful part of the story. And the next most memorable moment of this is that Pharaoh honors Joseph's family. And we've already seen that a little bit whenever he sets them up for preparation for the journey that they're going to go on to get Jacob and bring all of their family members back to them. And again, he could just say like, yeah, here's a wagon and trailer. Go ahead and go get them and come back. But he goes above and beyond and Pharaoh recognizes and appreciates all that Joseph has done, not just for him, because I guarantee he has saved his neck. Because if this famine would have hit and Joseph wouldn't have been able to speak wisdom into how to prep prep, uh, Egypt for this famine, I mean, it would have been destruction and of course would have looked directly bad on Pharaoh himself. And so Pharaoh is throwing everything at this family. He had already given Joseph a wife, he had given Joseph the best land. And now he's saying, not just you, but I'm gonna honor your family too. I'm gonna give them all the best of the best of the best that there can be as we live out this famine and go on. We see in Genesis 47, verse 11 and 12, it says, then Joseph settled his father and brothers in the land of Egypt. And he gave them property in the best part of the land, the land of Ramses. And Pharaoh he command- had commanded just as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all of his family, father's family with food for their dependents. In verse 27, it says, Israel settled in the land of Egypt in the reign of, jo- of, Gos- of Goshen. They acquired property in it and they became fruitful and very numerous. So here they are, they're set for life. So what better things to do than to grow food and crops and to grow babies and that's what they did they just they grew all the babies they multiplied their numbers multiplied and here they are we're seeing the beginning of God building this nation of Israel and this is the first one of the first parts of the of the prophecy that we see the building of the prophecy happening right here with Joseph Jacob and Joseph and their family So now we come to a point in the story where we see Jacob, we're gonna see different blessings. He's coming to the end of his life. He's almost, or he is 110 years old when he dies. I cannot imagine being that old. I had a grandmother, my great-grandmother lived to be 101, and I can't imagine even any longer than that. Um, If God blesses you or any family member with that amount of time, cherish it, because my goodness. But we see that very often in scripture of how long people lived, and at this point, Jacob is at the end of his life and he makes a couple promises and he makes Joseph make some promises to him as well. Genesis 48, 28 through 31. Now Jacob lived in the land of Egypt for 17 years and his lifespan was now, oh, I was wrong. It's Joseph that dies at 110. Jacob lives to 147. (laughs) He was 147 years When the time approached for him to die, he called his son Joseph, and he said to him, If I have found favor with you, put your hand under my thigh and promise me that you will deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt. When I rest with my ancestors, carry me away from Egypt and bury me in their burial place. Joseph answered, and he said, I will do what you have asked. And Jacob said, swear to me, don't play and just tell me because I'm dying, he said, swear to me. And so Joseph swore to him, then Israel bowed in thanks at the head of his bed. And now Jacob, as he's given these bless, he's been given blessings throughout his whole life, he's been blessed with God. And he's been given multiple prophecies of of what the future will look like and what the promised land will look like as he has carried out this same prophecy that started with Abraham and then it went to Isaac, who's Jacob's father, and now it's Jacob. And now Jacob, at the time of his death, he trusts that God will still be faithful and that he believes that God is going to just transfer that faithfulness and that blessing right onto his son. that that even though he is dying his god's faithfulness doesn't die and it's going to continue on with his son and so he blesses his son and not just it's not just jacob that he blesses he tells jacob to bring his two oldest sons to his bedside as well and in chapter 49 we see the different ways that, um, that Jacob is blessing Joseph's son. And what's even, you, we won't dig into it now, but he had two sons. And typically, the birthright goes to the older son. But in this case, Jacob actually blessed the younger of the two. And he said, you will both be successful, so don't, don't be alarmed. And even Joseph was kind of like, wait, 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 wrong son, wrong son, switch it. And he's like, no, no, this is how God has told me this is what God has told me and what He has shown me that the younger of the two, He will be just, they will both be successful, but the younger one will be even more. And He trusted Him. So, of course, He did. So, we see the blessings that He gave. And, and one, oh, one neat thing is that Jacob, um, in order to transfer full inheritance, he, it, it says in the scriptures that He adopted His sons. So his grandsons, he adopted them just as they were owned so that they would receive the full inheritance that belonged to them. In Genesis 50, one through three, then Joseph, leaning over his father's face, he wept and he kissed him. He commanded his servants who were physicians to embalm his father so that they embalmed Israel and they took 40 days. Technology has come a long ways. They took 40 days to complete this for embalming takes that long. And the Egyptians mourned for him for 70 days." See, everything is significant in scripture. Everything is significant. And we will see so many parallels in this story of Joseph to our life here on earth and what God has promised us. So moving on to the next significant moment, now Jacob has died and Joseph's brothers, they're getting a little nervous. Because remember, Jacob has every right to seek revenge on his brothers. And now that dad is out of the picture, the brothers are like, "Uh uh-oh, what's gonna happen to us? Is he gonna like totally go back and be like, well, dad's dead now and he can't do anything about it. So now is he gonna seek revenge? But no, that's not who Joseph was. And he spoke kindness to them and gentleness to them. And he reassured them in that moment Chapter 50, 20 through 21, it says, you planned evil against me. I mean, they plotted to kill him and sold him to slavery. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. What a beautiful story, (laughs) If Joseph can do that and he can forgive his brothers that plotted to have him killed, and they, they really were the reason why he went through as much turmoil as he did in his life. And even still, he said, God is greater. He is faithful. And that matters way more than all the things that you could do to plot evil against me. And even still was able to love them in that moment and provide for them and provide for their families. Now we get to see the end of Joseph's life. And what is neat is from that last passage we wrote, we read that says you planned evil against me and God planned it for good, 50 years passes in that one sentence. 50 years passes. And we see what happens at the end of Joseph's life. Genesis 50, says Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all of his father's family. Joseph's final words were recorded in two different places. We see it here in Genesis and then also Hebrews 11, through 20, Hebrews 11 verse 22. It says, "...by faith Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, he mentioned the exodus of the Israelites, and he gave instruction concerning his bones." So here we are again. Joseph is dying, and we see parallel to exactly what his father went through that Joseph says, I know that there is more. Even though I haven't seen the completion of this prophecy that God has promised us of the promised land, I know there's more. And I know that there's an amazing ending to this story. So don't you leave me in Egypt when the day comes, because it will when you are led out of Egypt into the promised land. And that prophecy is fulfilled. He said, take my bones with you. I want to be buried in the promised land. And so that is what we see him doing. And this is where Joseph, he dies. This is where he is 110 years old. See, the thing is, is that Joseph, he sees the bigger picture, right? All along, through every stage of life that he goes through, through being in slavery in Potiphar's house, being wrongly accused, thrown into prison. Through all of that, through all of that, he saw God's bigger picture and God's bigger plan, and he clung to that. How powerful is that for us and a reminder for us to be able to do the exact same thing, that when we're going through whatever it is, because we will go through some things that no matter what, we can cling to the promise that we have eternity to look towards. And God has promised us eternity with him. If that doesn't set things in perspective, I don't know what else could of what we have to look forward to. And the thing is, is that when, when Joseph was telling them, take, he made his brother's promise, just like Jacob did with him. He made them promise, he said it multiple times. He said, take my bones, take them to the promised land when that time comes. The reason that he did this is because it would become a testament to God's faithfulness. And it would be a testimony for generations to come. See, there was no earthly reason for anybody to expect that that could happen. Because reality is, is they were set for life. Pharaoh had set them up. Years and years had gone by. They had been fruitful. They had grown their families. We have now seen generations. But there's still more. And and they became very comfortable. Who wouldn't? They've acquired all this wealth. They have a lot of family. So was Egypt good for them? Yes, it was because... I mean, it saved them from mass destruction during the famine, and it allowed their families to grow, but was Egypt good for them? Also, no, because it's not where they were meant to be, and it's not where they were going to stay. That was not what God had for them. And how could Joseph be so sure about the future? Because well, God had revealed it to him, just like he'd revealed it to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. And we see later on in Exodus where Moses, it says that Moses took the bones with him when the Jews left Egypt. It happens. Now it is years and years and years and years before we get to that, but it happened. God's prophecy is being fulfilled. To sum up Joseph's whole life of faith, and listen to this because it is such a beautiful example of, for us here on this earth and what we might face in our life so this sums up joseph's life beautifully by faith joseph when he was betrayed he did not become bitter by faith joseph when he was tempted by potiphar's wife did not yield to temptation by faith joseph when he was forgotten in prison did not turn away from god by faith joseph when he met his brothers, did not seek revenge. We see that Joseph's faith shone the brightest at the end of his life. He wasn't worried about dying. He wasn't worried that he didn't see the prophecy fulfilled. He said, by faith, I know God's gonna come through and he's gonna do exactly what he said that he's going to do. And again, this is setting up his descendants. They knew where Joseph stood because of this. And they knew what he stood for. And why is it so important? Because coming was slavery. Slavery is what was coming to his people. And the last moment, as we close these final moments, is that a Pharaoh arose who knew not Joseph. Exodus 1, 8 through 10 says, a new king who did not know about Joseph came to the power in Egypt. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Come, let's deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, they will multiply even further. And when war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So I'm going to set the stage real quick. There's a little story time that comes. Let's fast forward 100 years. And there's a little Hebrew boy and his mom, and they're in the house. And the Hebrew boy asks a question that is the most heavy on his heart. He looks at his mom and he says, are we going to be in Egypt forever? Are we going to be bound to this life of slavery forever? And the mom wipes away the tears from her eyes, and she points him to the box over in the side of the room and says, look at that box over there. Do you see that? The boy says, yes, I I see it. She said, go over there, look at it. So he walks over there, he looks, and she says, what does it say? It says, bound for Canaan. He's like, well, what does that mean, Mom? I don't know what that means. And he said, your great-grandfather. Those are his remains. And he knew that God will be faithful no matter what. And because of that, that gives us hope that we know we are not going to be here forever. Because God's faithfulness and the prophecy through Joseph tells them that they won't be. And it brought them hope, generations of hope. Joseph was in Egypt for 93 years. So sometimes when God tells us something's gonna happen in our life, guess what? It doesn't always happen in our timing. And sometimes we don't even get to see the full fruit of what God promises. And why is that important? Because we said it earlier, that when we die, that doesn't mean the promises of God die. They don't die with us. Our God is a God of the future. He has such big plans for us. So what is our job then? In this life that we're currently in, what is our job? And that leads us, and as we close, stick with me for a few more minutes. This is so important. Our job is to leave a legacy. We have to leave a legacy. The first point of that, that I want you to remember this morning, is your faith is the greatest thing that you can pass on to your children and your grandchildren. Genesis 46, 27. And Joseph's sons who were born to him in Egypt, two persons. All those of Jacob's household came to Egypt, 70 persons. The thing is, is that even though Joseph saw the great picture of God and the fulfillment of the prophecy that would one day come to be in the promised land where they were meant to be, even though after 110 years it still didn't come, to fruition, but Joseph knew. He knew that one day that it would. And so what did he do? And we saw on his deathbed when he said, leave my bones. That's that box, the hope that it brought because every time they looked at it, they could be like, okay, God, this really stinks right now. The slavery that we're in, this situation that we're in currently, it stinks, but you have a bigger plan. And so he made sure that he was able to pass that on to his children, to his grandchildren, to let it be a testament of faith. I have three kids of my own and I pray every single night with them. God, let me and their dad, let us be your light. God, that one day they would have the most beautiful relationship with you and trust fully on you. There is no greater joy as a parent and even if you don't have earthly kids, you can still have spiritual family too. Right, So every person we come in contact, it is important for us to, to show our faith and let it be important in every single thing that we do. See, our li- life, it is not a race. It is Well, it is a race in some certain ways, but it is not a sprint, and it's not even a marathon. It's a relay. We live what we are supposed to live in the moment and what God has called us to, where we are, where we are at and in the time that we are. That's all we can do is be faithful now and then we hand it off to the next generation. So we have to make sure that we leave them the faith that they need to continue. And we don't even just see it in the Old Testament, we see it even in the New Covenant. In 3 John 1 and 1-4, it says, I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in truth. This is the Apostle John who walked with Jesus And even though he got to walk side by side with Jesus, he still said the greatest joy. He didn't say the greatest joy was walking with Jesus as an apostle, which I am sure that was a great joy. Even still, the greatest joy is to hear that my children are walking in truth. That's why it's important that your children see you every Sunday, making church a priority, making being in the word a priority. That you're leaving that legacy of faith for your children. The next important thing to remember is don't become bitter in your old age. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph all promised the same prophecy and the promise of God. None of them got to see fulfillment. They had every right to be bitter when they died, but did they? No. Because they knew that there was a bigger story to be told and that God's faithfulness was not dying with them. He knew that it was gonna continue. And the last one is that joy comes when you understand that God's work is bigger than you. Again, let that set your perspective. When you face the hard times of life, it's not if, it's when. Know that there's a bigger picture. And what the world means for evil against you, God will work it for his good of those who love him. You've gotta cling to that. Sometimes that's all we can cling to in this life. Here's the great goal is to have dreams so big that they can't possibly be fulfilled in your lifetime. Dream big, dream eternal dreams. that will have eternal impact. And again, I love the parallel that we see in this story. There's so many parallels of the promise that God gave us of the promised land of getting to spend eternity with him. And maybe you're here today, and this is the first time that you've heard of this love and this promise that God allows us and gives us access to through his son, Jesus. Or maybe, maybe you have committed to walk a life of faithfulness to God, but maybe you've strayed a little bit from that and you want to come back, guess what? God is here. He is waiting for you to come. He wants to be able to give fulfillment through his faithfulness to you. He longs for that. He longs for relationship with you. So if that's you today, I want to give you that opportunity to come to God, to sacrifice your life before him, to get back on the right track with God. With every head bowed, every eyes closed at this time, I just, I wanna encourage you to really search your heart. Are you leaving a legacy for your children? A leg, an eternal legacy for your children. It, and even if you haven't had it modeled for you, you can say today and let it start with you today. You're the start of that new legacy. I'm gonna ask you in just a moment when I count to three to raise your hand if that is you, if you wanna be called, if you're being called by the Holy Spirit to Jesus or you wanna rededicate your life to him and to the journey of faithfulness with our Lord, I want you to slip your hand up when I count to three and it's not to embarrass you. It's so we know who to pray for. That's why we do this. So if that is you today, on the count of three, if you'll raise your hand. One, two, three. One, two, three. God is here with you. He is faithful. He sees you. Thank you for your hands. If today's the day that you're coming back for him, God, I wanna leave a legacy. Amen. At this point, with all heads still bowed, I want everybody to join together with those that rose their hand. We're gonna pray in agreement with them, believing from the bottom of our hearts that God through his son Jesus, can bring true life change to us. If y'all will, everybody, repeat after me as we pray. Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me yours. I believe you love me. I believe you care so much for me that you died for me on the cross so that I could be forgiven. You rose from the dead so that I could live forever with you help me God walk every single day step and step with you my life is yours in Jesus name amen amen God be with you thank y'all